when you're sitting there leading a group of guys to be able to say, you know, where you failed or where you have fears and what you're struggling with as the leader, they all kind of look at you suddenly and then it's amazing how the conversation just instantly opens up. And that's really what it's the leading a group is about is just getting guys to to be vulnerable, to open up and and, and talk about their lives and, and how to be better. All right, let's do this. I'm here today with Matt Iverson. Hello, Matt. How are you? Good, Jimmy. How are you doing? Oh, man. It'd be hard to be doing better than we are right now. It's pretty amazing up here. Well, I mean, we could be doing better. We could be on an animal, that's for sure. <laughs> that would that would uh, make it a little more fun. Yeah, that'd be a great clip. We could be on an animal. That would be a lot more fun. <laughs> People have no clue what you mean. We could be on an elk with our bow ready to shoot. There Let's you go. call it that. How about that? So Matt and I are... I'm here with Matt Iverson today, and uh, we are on the tip top of a mountain, right above treeline, actually right even with treeline, I would say, and we're looking out at some amazing scenery, to say the least. Would you Would you agree with that, Matt? That's beautiful. I'm sitting here, what, a little over 9,000 feet in Idaho, and I think we can see, is that Montana or Wyoming yeah. there? Well, we don't want to give away our hunting spot on that. So no. now people know that we're hunting near Montana and Idaho. <laughs> near Montana and Idaho. We're going to have to edit it. Canada. <laughs> yes, we are in Idaho. And it's interesting because, you know, 9,000 feet in Colorado, I mean, like our houses are probably at, what, 8,000? Yeah. Maybe something, yeah. somewhere in there. You know, and the ski slopes start at what 8900 is that what it is i believe so that's where i think base of veil starts right around nine yeah man i hope that wind is not too much uh it's pretty windy up here hope it's not showing up in our in our podcast but that's what you get on top of a mountain you get wind even when it's not windy you get wind on top of a mountain but anyhow what i was saying was here nine thousand feet you're like above tree line and i mean we are looking at some like crazy peaks yeah but at home in Colorado, Matt lives in Colorado, by the way. He's one of my, lives in the same town as me, one of my good friends. Um, I mean, we're just, we're at the base of the ski slope. Yep. So it's kind of weird. Uh, but it feels like we're higher here. It does. Because of the look of the mountains. Yeah. Really rugged mountains here. Very rugged. Yeah, sparse timber. It's weird how, how much things can change across the Rockies. Yeah. So, yeah, so we're here in Idaho. We're on an archery elk hunt. And uh, the reason I said maybe things could be better is uh, we're we're struggling. It seems like a theme of my backcountry podcast is we struggle elk hunting, uh, which is funny because I just came from Wyoming with my buddy John. He's also an ordinary man, led an ordinary men's group. We had an excellent hunt. Um, we were on animals left and right, and I just couldn't get him to do a podcast. Um, he's too shy. I told him he had great things to say, and uh, I'm sure you could have brought some great revelations to people, but I think he was just too consumed with elk hunting, maybe. But it was cool. We were on we were on animals left and right, and John was able to connect. I unfortunately missed an animal, uh, a bull. Uh, that's what a that's what a male elk is called. It's a bull elk, a really nice bull. I missed. And uh, so it was a heartbreaker, but it was a great hunt. Now we're in Idaho, 
and uh i mean i don't know if struggle is a word we're only two days in but uh yeah. it's interesting 48 hours in and we've seen a couple elk here and there a couple herds and couldn't quite close the deal on those but uh yeah we have seen elk yeah and then we we moved from that spot yeah once we saw them we decided <laughs> to relocate so yeah that makes sense that's great because that's what you do you see yeah. elk and then you move and you run go somewhere else yeah we literally packed up our camper drove down the road about an hour <laughs> and tried a new spot uh they were just in spots that were hard to hard to get to that's our excuse right Matt. that's you know we'll, we'll go with that i was actually thinking maybe we should try to go back over there <laughs> i'm, I'm to go where the elk are that's weird <laughs> i was seriously thinking maybe we should try to go back there maybe we jumped the gun yeah but anyhow we hunted this morning um we're probably from the truck we're probably close to eight miles i don't know maybe it's a, close probably six probably to eight close. miles um we e-biked in um three or four miles and then hiked the rest and um so we're back here for sure we're just waiting on evening to come uh what time is it here it's uh i don't even know about oh, 3 30 3 30 here yeah yeah 3 30 and so we're just waiting on uh evening to set in so that we can uh hopefully uh, make another play at some animals so in the process, we tried to take a nap. I did not do good at taking a nap. Matt, how did you do? I did okay. Got cold in the shade there. The wind picked up a little bit, and while it's beautiful and sunny, it's uh, it's chilly. Yeah, I could not sleep, so I finished. I almost finished my book, How to Kill a Mockingbird, which is a great book. I can't believe I've never listened to it or or read it. Uh, have you read that? I've never read it. Uh-uh. You know, they took that out of schools this year. I know. Isn't that ironic? Well, it has the N-word in it. And, you know, that's very controversial, as it should be. As it should be. But the book itself is really, uh, I don't know, I think it's incredible. And it's its really a, a lesson in race relations. And I think it was a great example on how to how to handle situations like we're handling now. Anyhow, it just surprised me that we took it out. I think it's a little knee-jerk, but I don't know. I'm enjoying it. Good. So I almost finished it. Almost finished it. So my two travel days for hunting, one was to Wyoming and one was here. Man, my travel day to Wyoming was nuts. Um, I hit an absolute blizzard on September, September 8th. Sure. I mean, yeah, a blizzard. Yeah, yeah. You act like that's normal because you grew up in Colorado. <laughs> that ain't normal. That was a, I was sitting in my office and that blizzard rolled through. Yeah, but it was way worse because I saw pictures. That you guys got it. But, man, I mean, to the point that I was on the interstate for four hours not moving, there was just semi after semi. Uh, I mean, I was. it was just we were stuck. Snow drifts everywhere. You couldn't see 20 yards in front of you. And I looked it up on my phone because I thought the wind was blowing. It said it was 65-mile-an-hour winds with 80-mile gusts. <laughs> like, there you go. Isn't that a hurricane or something? Yeah, exactly. And you're pretty loaded down with all your gear, too. Oh, I was loaded was, to the gills. I had two e-bikes, a regular bike, a four-wheeler, and then a bunch of other coolers and bow cases. And and that was with no trailer. That looked like the Clampets. <laughs> For sure. Ready for a few weeks in the wilderness. Yeah, so my first, so we hunted on the 9th, and 
I mean, we were hunting in six to eight inches of snow in some places. And then the next day it was all gone and beautiful. And I mean, we were sweating the rest of the trip. It was, I mean, it was great weather, but yeah. when we were hiking, we were, we were pretty warm. So you and I came in on the 19th? 19th, yeah. And I mean, we had weather that day. Yep. Yep. And it, so... It actually kind of sleeted and snowed on us for a little bit that night when we were setting up. And when we were glassing, we saw those herds. It started kind of sleeting on us a little it bit. It did. And then we woke up the next morning and all the peaks were white. Yep. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, it was gorgeous. But now it's it's beautiful again. And I mean... I mean, I was just looking around while you were snoring, sleeping. I wish. And I was not. And man, I mean, I just don't know if there's a more beautiful day. It's gorgeous. Well, just looking at the country, I mean, I always love the back country because you sit here and look at it and you just realize this is just God's creation untouched. And that's what's beautiful. Oh, it's, yeah, it's unbelievable for sure. So Matt is um, a leader of OM. He's leading a group. He also went through a group. But before we get into that, uh, Matt, give us an introduction of just uh, who you are, what you're about, so uh, the listeners kind of know where you're coming from. You bet. Well, I've had all of, what, three minutes to prepare for this podcast, so I'll do the best that I can. Oh, you mean (laughs) the fact that I told you that it it would just we just roll it no no big deal right yeah yeah hey, now that you're awake i have an idea <laughs> literally a podcast literally that he woke up and i said matt how do you feel about a podcast he's like uh <laughs> sure let me prepare for two seconds <laughs> and then i said don't worry um just 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 roll with it just roll with it i mean i didn't yeah. tell him a single thing i was going to ask him yeah exactly so all right so so me well i grew up in vale colorado um and uh, which is, you know, a lot of people think like no one grows up in Vail, Colorado, um, but I did. Grew up there. We moved up there when I was about 12 or so. Love the mountains. We moved up from Denver. And uh, I know a lot of kids when they're 10, 11 years old, leaving their, you know, childhood friends behind and moving somewhere else is, is traumatic. But to be honest, when we moved to the mountains, I didn't look back. I was just so excited to live in the mountains and ski and backpack and camp. And that just was what I was all about. So. So there's just something about being in the mountains, like today, it's just absolutely energizing. Um, while my legs, are you sure? My legs are energized early. My legs are exhausted, but my spirit is energized. Let's call it that. So um, uh, I can't actually move my legs at this point. Um, I'm only two two of seven days in here. So, um, but uh, yeah. So grew up in Vale and uh, graduated from Old Roberts University and. Um, Met my wife in at college and moved to Colorado Springs where I started my career. And then the Lord opened up a door for me to get into real estate in Breckenridge and um, uh, moved to Breckenridge for a couple of years and ended up back in the Vale Valley and now work in the family business selling real estate and have a wife, three daughters, um, 15, 14, and 12. And uh, just trying to do the best I can to be the best husband, father, and family leader to them that I possibly can can and I think OM has actually um, played a huge role in helping me reach that goal well that's great you so 15 14 and 12 yeah girls three girls you got your hands full that's why my hair is white you know we all say that but your girls are actually really great yeah they are good kids I mean we all have our hands full with our kids because we're just so concerned about how they're going to turn out yeah but in reality like 
You have great girls. I do. I have great kids. I owe a lot of it. My wife stays home with them and has really spent her whole life pouring into them. Uh, we've homeschooled them since they were, you know, basically preschool. And so they, uh, I have to give my wife a huge amount of credit on how good they're turning out because she spent so much time with them and pouring into them. Yeah, Lori, that's, Matt, Lori is Matt's wife, um, good friends with my wife, Jessica. Yeah, Lori is a great woman, extremely intentional. Yep, and, very intentional. And uh, Something I need to learn. To, oh, you're I need to glean, glean off of her a little bit more. Oh, I think you've done a good job. But Lori was a college athlete and um, golf pro, right? Yep. And so she takes a lot of that discipline from sports and puts it into life. And, and it shows. Yep. Um, yeah. Well, that's great. So what do you, so talk to me about raising kids. I mean, what do you, like, you talk about un, not preparing you. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I mean, so we've had people listening to this that probably have younger kids. I mean, what's some, what's some advice you would give on intentionality in, in, in raising kids? I, you know, I think the biggest thing is, is, is there is no right or wrong way there's no book that you can read that says hey if you do it this way you'll end up with a great family and great kids just there's so much dynamics and I think you have to be flexible um and I think you have to uh, for me it's it's about uh you know we talk about intentionality and intentionality comes from being prepared um Mm -hmm. you know if 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 you see an opportunity arise to talk about a spiritual element with your kids like you have to be ready to talk about it um and you got to be in a place that you can um you know and, and if you're not it's there's nothing wrong with stopping and saying hey i don't know how to don't know what to do with this can we just put a pin in it and you intentionally go out and study talk to a, a person who's wiser and then re-engage in that conversation with your with your kids and and uh um but never ignore an opportunity to yeah. to pour into them to be with them and in a lot of it is is not so much quality but quantity it's just being there and having them by your side and, and just letting them talk yeah because a lot of opportunities come up in the day-to-day right yeah i mean i can't tell you how many conversations i've had that started out one way and and through just being intentional about oh well, this is a real lesson right now this is a real opportunity to point my kids towards Christ or in a direction in life or teach them a lesson. Um, it's like, I feel like my kids learn more from me in those moments mm-hmm. than they do when I sit down and try to make them read a book or we have to do this family devotional. Not yep. that there's anything wrong with any of that, but <clears throat> I just find those real world situations. But that does take intentionality because a lot of times we're busy in those real world situations and we just want to blow blow right by them. Yeah. But to stop and actually talk through and, and teach a lesson in that moment yep. is, is, is a big deal. I think getting them to talk, I think the most powerful thing I learned, and I learned this a lot from my wife and then from some other experiences, um, is when they're talking, look for opportunities to ask them how they feel about it. Well, you know, you said something about so-and-so in interaction. Tell me more about how, how that felt. And just get them talking. You, you know, know, my wife is so good at that, and I'm so not. I try. My kids don't. It seems like it's something I really want to work on as a father. But I feel like my kids are so much more open with my wife and so much more willing mm-hmm. to 
to express things with her than I feel like they are with me. Well, don't you think sometimes that comes from, you know, we're naturally wired as uh, advisors and fixers and, hmm. <laughs> and yeah. so they start talking and you instantly go into, well, let me give you some advice on that. And they may not even want that. So that's when you got to stop and say, do the, well, tell me how you feel about it and just hold your, hold your tongue and let them pour it out. Yeah, I'm not very good at that. No. In fact, my, my wife and I came up with a new rule recently that if she is telling me something, unless she says, hey, can you help me fix this? Then I just have to listen. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I think uh, I think that's <laughs> merit summed up. I think legitimately. Shut up and listen. That is the rule. If, if she does not preface it with, hey, I need your help fixing this, then then the assumption is I'm just supposed to listen mm-hmm. because I have caused so many issues, always trying to help and trying to fix. Yep. And she's like, I just want somebody to listen to me. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So kids are the same way, huh? Kids are the same way. Man, I got, I got a rough road. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think, uh, you know, to, to be a great father or a great husband, it's not about perfection. And, you know, say it's not, it, I got a rough road. It's, it, I think a lot of guys mess up and then they kind of stay there in that mess up shame place, whatever, whatever you want to call it. And it's mm-hmm. really just about just redirecting and like, okay, I got to, I got to change that. So you get out and change it, find a resource that helps you change it and just do better the next time. Don't ever cripple yourself with, oh, I messed up. So I'm just, that's it. Yeah, men are good at that, huh? Yeah. They just shut think, it down. Why do you think, I mean, not just in not just in fathering, but in, in general, I feel like that shame is a big issue with men. Mm-hmm. Uh, why, why do you think that is? Well, I think it's our egos. Some, I mean, you know, we are, we're wired to be, look where we're, what we're doing. I mean, how there are few women who want to freeze their butts off, hike 10, 12-mile loops a day, um, all to shoot an animal, right? But why do we want to do it? <laughs> but it, I think it, but I think, well, there, there are moments we question our sanity for sure. Um, but I think we're, we're wired as, as that just kind of, we're, we're, we're wired to be warriors and wired to, you know, go to war and fight battles. And, and there's a certain, I, I, I believe God gave men a certain personality trait that's just inherent in our, our DNA. And, uh, um, I don't think that always translates to uh, having that soft heart as well towards towards our wives and children around us. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, I don't know if that answers it or not, but just a thought. No, I think it's good. Um, you know, another thing you said about parenting that I've really found, I have two kids. I have a 13 and a 10, soon to be 14 and 11, is um, that there's not one, there's not one way to do it. And, uh, and, and even, even among families, but I mean, it's not like one family does it one way and one does it another way. And that's right or wrong. Even within a family, there's different parenting styles mm-hmm. with different children. And I find that with my son and daughter, mm-hmm. like totally, um, that there's certain ways that I, that I parent my, and it's not because she's a girl and he's a boy. It's because of completely different personalities. Yeah. Let's talk about, um, OM a little bit. Yeah. So you were in OM, uh, one of the first groups of OM. So the the very first was um, 
a group in Virginia, and then and then there was two new groups uh, that same year, one in Colorado, one in in uh, in Illinois. So you were in that Colorado group. Here comes the wind. Yeah. Well, hopefully you guys can still hear this. Actually, it's just it's not really windy. We're just adding the effects so you guys think we're on the mountain. <laughs> Man, I really wish you guys could see what we're seeing right now. But anyhow. So you were so you were in one of the first groups, mm-hmm. and that was before we had a lot of the material, the websites. Definitely didn't have podcasts, didn't have a lot of things we have currently. And so, but it still had an impact on you apparently because now you lead. So I just like to, um, I mean, what what kind of impact has OM had uh, on you? Joining the first OM group had been a, uh, as you, as you said, it was we were building the plane in the air a little bit on it, but it didn't really matter because for me it was, uh, for me it was the first time I'd been in in kind of a men, a real men's men's group since college. And when I say men's group, what differentiates OM from most quote unquote men's groups is is really, and we said it earlier, is the intentionality of the process. Um, mm-hmm. It's not just get together Thursday mornings, have coffee, breakfast burrito, and watch a video and and talk about the subject matter. It's really, it was it was a it was a place where guys got to get together and study and discuss deeper spiritual things, and then try to apply it. Um, and then actually, I think the intentional relationship element of OM was the biggest thing for me was just these seven, eight guys in, in, in that group have to this day become some of my best friends. Mm-hmm. And it was because we weren't just, Hey, well, let's read this and let's talk about it next week. It was on the off weeks. We had breakfast together. We actually did things to build on the relationship, the spiritual relationships that we were developing in the studies and doing life together a little bit more. And I think it, creates a deeper bond so I think for me that was a big thing for me was just the intentional relationship I had not really had that for quite some time with with other uh strong Christian men yeah, it's interesting as I talk to to men that are and and are not involved in ordinary men <clears throat> even men that are not believe Christian men or non-Christian men uh this this lack of a bond mm-hmm. with other men is is definitely um, is definitely an issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, there's rarely a guy I talk to that doesn't have that lacking in his life, or go through ordinary men and say that that's one of the the more beneficial. Obviously, the relationship with Christ, but but that ties into that, right? Yeah. So, um, but what's interesting also about that, and for anybody that's listening that is a leader, I would or or a participant, I would highly encourage you to. To, to keep that in mind because I, I feel like the the one thing that we probably struggle the most with in our OM groups is intentional relationship, is getting uh, men to engage in the off weeks uh, in a meaningful way, which is which is surprising because it's not attendance to the studies that is difficult. Um, it often seems the more difficult part is is getting guys to engage outside of the meetings. Yeah, but I and I think they just discount it as well. You know, the more important part is the Bible study part, and and I agree that the the study of God is is certainly the most important, but it's a package. 
it, you know, one without the other doesn't get what we're trying to accomplish in ordinary men, which is discipleship. You can study God and get a great knowledge of mm-hmm. him and a great understanding of him. But discipleship requires relationship. Yeah. And so if we don't practice that in our groups, it's going to be very hard to practice that outside of our groups and to make disciples that make disciples, which mm-hmm. is what we're out to do. Yeah. Um, so hopefully that will encourage some of you guys listening uh, to, to take a more active role in that. Um, so you you were in a group, and then probably a year went by, um, and you approached me that you just felt like it was time for you to lead a group. Yeah. Uh, so tell me what, what happened in that, that year that, that changed or what, what kind of spurred that in your life? Yeah. Well, you know, you, I went through the group and, and, uh, uh, you know, made some great friends and great, and grew spiritually, um, in the content of the OM group, um, it is really great content. Um, and, and so I obviously was able to recognize that going through the process, changed my life um and changed my heart on a lot of different levels you know uh the the first session i call it the kind of the dealing with ourselves session it's it's the uh failures it's the shame it's to kind of just talk about our our past and things like that and then then the second sessions discuss um just kind of our foundational faith items and uh those are fun to go through while they're foundational they're always great to just pick apart and and i'll tell you in my group um, all my guys have been, you know, saved for quite some time and we thoroughly enjoyed picking apart some of the basic foundations of our faith all over again and, and really discussing them. And we found new revelation and them, things like that. So, so that was a little side note on that. But, uh, um, I realized after the group was done, um, how much I wanted that to keep on. And so, you know, I had a couple things I had to finish uh, on the side before I knew I could commit to, to leading a group. And so once that was done, I knew literally, I think I called you the day after I completed <laughs> that stuff. Because I knew that I knew that I knew that, look, that God wanted me to complete what I had to complete, what I'd already committed to for the previous 18 months. Um, and the day I, com- I, I finished it, literally signed off, it was done. I woke up the next morning ready to start a group. So I knew it was just, a, it was first of all directed by God, uh, you know, and that's always the best place to be is know that you're following God's, God's will for your life and hearing his, his voice. Um, but I also knew that I wanted to pour out to other guys kind of the experience I had, you know, intentional relationship, um, vulnerability with other men, um, you know, really uh, growing in, spirit, in spiritualness with them, but also growing in, in vulnerability, really talking about the stuff that we've had, we've had in our past, the things that are keeping us, the fears, the, the shames, the, the failures, um, and, and really encouraging guys that despite all that, um, I mean, you know, part of the group is discussing the, the, the men of the Bible who failed, but were literally the fathers of our faith. And, um, if God can use those guys, God can use anybody. And so I wanted men to experience that, just to really, grow in their faith and just put their failures and fears aside and just start stepping it out. And that's what leading the group was for me. I was scared. I was nervous, but I knew I just had to step out in that and and do it. And for me, leading a group was as much of a growth opportunity for myself that it was for the guys that I was trying to bring in. Yeah, that's great. I I just want to say if, if you're listening and you've been through OM and you haven't led a group, um, it's never too late. 
you know, I mean, if it's a year from now, if it's if if it's been a year or two since you went through OM and and you never stepped into leadership, we call that multiplication. Um, it's not too late to do it. And as we were mentioning before, uh, it's it's not hard to find guys that are hungry uh, for discipleship and genuine discipleship that's centered around intentional relationship. And when when you explain what we do and you and you explain the cultural values of high challenge, high grace, and and when when men realize that they're not signing up for just a a burrito and coffee like you're saying, mm-hmm. but they're actually signing up for a commitment. You think on the surface that's going to scare people and that that is actually going to make it hard to get people to join your group. But what I found is we're having less of a problem with men filling their group and more of a problem with men keeping their group under 10. Yeah. And, 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 and that's because I believe men want that challenge in their life. They want someone to challenge them in their faith and, and to, and to expect something from them more than just show up when you can. And um, so anyhow, if, if you've been on the fence about leadership or if it's been something you put on the back burner, I would highly encourage you to step into that. And, and I think Matt, uh, and we'll talk about this in a minute, but I think Matt will attest to the fact that it's just uh, some things in his life have, have really grown because of it. <clears throat> and um, well, let's just jump into that. I mean, so you, you stepped into leadership. You said you were, you were apprehensive. I'm sure. Um, and, and, you know, you grew up in a Christian family and mm-hmm. you went yep. to a Christian college, but I, I just don't think a lot of people that have grown up in, in church have been really taught to disciple other men. It's more, we've been taught to lead a, maybe a small group at church or maybe a Bible study. Yeah. But um, so I think when when somebody says, "Hey, why don't you lead?" and it's like, "Wait, wait, I'm going to, I'm actually going to take this thing and and lead it." Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm not. You're not going to do all the work, and I'm just not going to. I'm not going to just bring the message each week. It's it is scary, um, but I think when once people step into it, they realize that it's really not that scary. No. Uh, number one, number two, that the material is such that it's laid out in a way that that makes it really easy to lead. And, uh, I've yet to have someone step into leadership and not tell me that their, their year or two of leadership didn't cause more growth in their life tenfold than what going through it did. So I would be curious. I mean, have you found that in your walk, like has leadership actually caused more growth in you than you found in, in going through it? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, uh, um, you know, I think the the one thing I would tell anyone who's who is on the fence to lead a group is it's not about qualifications. Um, Correct. You, you know, it's not about oh, you know, we say oh, you need to lead a group. It, you know, it doesn't. Matt, I'm leading the organization. It right. <laughs> exactly. It can't be about qualifications. It cannot be. <laughs> um, well, and, and maybe someday you know we can talk about our my, my failures in, in past that I'm the least qualified to lead lead a discipleship group um i think that's why you're qualified brother well that you know it's it's not if we, it's not about qualifications so if you're crippled in, in making that decision because you don't think you, you're qualified like just put that aside and step out anyways because that's really what i had I, that was the mentality i had to had to do and in, in uh, uh take when i decided to lead a group is like it's not about qualifications and the material's easy it, it's it's there it's very easy to follow um, and it's really great material, great discussion points. Um, so it's really not about, about that. It's, it's really, um, 
it's about the vulnerability. It's, it's when you're sitting there leading a group of guys to be able to say, you know, where you failed or where you have fears and what you're struggling with as the leader, they all kind of look at you suddenly. And then it's amazing how the conversation just instantly opens up. And, um, and that's really what it's that leading a group is about is just getting guys to, to, to be vulnerable, to open up and, and, and talk about their lives and, and how to be better. And, 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 uh, so I, I think that's really what, what it's about. It's, and don't get crippled with, with the idea of, you know, am I equipped to do it or not? You just, I, I laugh. One of the discussions we had, we, in my group, we discussed the disciples of, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And if you've ever read the gospels through the lens of discipleship, it's, it's a really interesting process because, uh, those disciples were a bunch of hoodlums. Um, I, I'm shocked at how many times Jesus would actually correct them or, um, rebuke them. Um, and he literally rebuked them multiple times in their discipleship yeah. process. Um, and, and the, the gospels are the discipleship process. Acts is the time when those disciples stepped out to disciple others. Yeah. And, and it's a, it's an, in obviously somewhere in between was when they met, when was there introduced to the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, you, you see those guys in their discipleship process under Jesus. And then next thing you know, they're literally changing the world. Um, and so they were, they were not equipped, but they had an interaction with Jesus and they were stepped out and did the work. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I think a lot of people, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I keep getting distracted by this wind. I know. Every time, I'm, I'm like covering the mic. Like I, w- I wish you guys could see it. Every time the wind gusts, we're like trying to cover the mic. That's probably why it sounds louder at times. Talk to our hands. And then like I'll have a thought and then this wind like starts blowing. I'm like, oh, can they hear me? And then I lose my thought. But I think a lot of people are apprehensive in in getting involved in discipleship because of failure. They feel like, I mean, what happens if, if these men don't follow what I'm teaching Mm -hmm. you know what happens if if they you know all these these what ifs yeah you know the what do they say what ifs is the 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 black hole of abyss once you get going down the what ifs you'll never you'll never come back right and so but i just find it interesting i also find it interesting the 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 numbers of this verse so john 666 by the way, <laughs> it's a really weird, right? John six six six. So John six sixty six. It says, "From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him." Yeah. And then Jesus looks at that. So they're talking about this is talking about Jesus. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And then Jesus says in verse sixty seven, "You don't want to leave me too, do you?" <laughs> Quote unquote. You don't want to leave me too, do you? Tell, talking to his twelve, right? Yeah, and then Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the the Holy One of God. That that chokes me up. We have come, it says, you have the words of eternal life. That's what the Word of God is, man. It's the words of eternal life. But what caused those people to leave? John 6.66, he says, um, what many of his disciples... Um, 
he's talking oh yeah that's pretty he's talking about you'll eat my my flesh and mm. drink my blood yeah of course they don't understand what he's saying yeah <laughs> but it's interesting to me that i mean you read that and you're like jesus why would you say that and not make it really clear like jesus wasn't he wasn't running a popularity contest no and i think like i'm going down a track here um but i think that's part of our issue in our faith today is like we're run, like a lot of people are running popularity contests. Mm-hmm. Like they want to say what people want to hear, mm-hmm. and they want to make sure that John six sixty six doesn't happen to them. They want to make sure that on hearing this, you know, many of them left, that turn back and no longer followed him. They they don't want to hear that. I mean, either do I, either do you, Matt. But at the same time, I'm just not willing to shy away from the hard truth which is often love often can be can sound harsh yeah and and but i'm not willing to not love people and tell them what they want to hear at the expense of not losing someone joining an om group or or such and that i just think in discipleship i don't even know where i'm going with this i'm going down a trail but i i I guess i'm just saying we're so concerned I, I, what I was saying before was we're so concerned about discipling men because we're afraid that maybe they won't follow us or what will they think and all mm-hmm. these things. Um, and and I think that is a result of some of what's happened in our faith lately. Mm-hmm. And and I think it's toxic. And we, we need to get past it and realize. And that's where this high challenge, high grace thing comes in. I was in about to say that. Was right. about to, uh, that's exactly what was in my head is that high challenge, high grace. Kind of get away from the patty cake Christianity. And I mean, Christianity is not for the faint of heart, but it's also the single most fulfilling walk you can do, right? Yeah. And and uh, I think men like high challenge, and 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 uh, that's why men do join because they want high challenge. They don't want pad the cake Christianity anymore. They they want a a high challenge environment where where they're called up, and because most of the time they'll step up. But I think and I don't think I know. I mean, you have to couple that with high grace. Yep. And that's something that it seems like, well, I mean, gosh, you read, is it, I think it's, um, Paul is, is constantly teaching grace and I think James is teaching more works uh-huh. and it's because one side went so far grace. Yep. So, so Paul's talking to the people that were all works mentality. And I think I'm right in saying James was speaking to the people that were, so far grace it was almost like we'll sin so that it it was just or or or, oh i can do whatever i want because i have grace and 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 so anyhow i think we have that in our society today too where we have we have the high grace and we have the high challenge but it's hard to find both in one setting yeah and partly because it's hard to do yeah well, I think the discipleship process and, and, and specifically in leading an OM group and then being a part of it, um, the high grace should be coupled with, with change and challenge. And, you know, I, I mean, I know I've received grace from God so many times, but it's been heart changing grace. It's, it's, you know, I'm going to have grace for your mess up, but there was something different about it where it said, okay, I need to change that and be better and accept that grace as an opportunity to change, not just as an opportunity. And, and I think Paul says it in Romans, you know, you know, six and seven, you know, when he keeps saying, you know, what then shall we send more because of grace and et cetera. Um, 
And that's not the kind of grace we're talking about. We're talking about a, a life heart changing type grace. And so when you have guys in your group that you're leading and they start talking about their fears and failures, showing love and grace to that, but with the challenge of how can we help you change? How can we help you get better? That's where that high challenge, high grace, kind of the rubber meets the road. And then you spend a year with these guys and watch them and help them start walking out their callings. I got two guys in my group currently that have that are stepping out in their in their their callings and and their their walk with God has just been absolutely revived, not because of anything I've done, just because we've been in the in an environment where we will we would share our our failures and share our fears and step out anyways. Mm-hmm. And um you know it's 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 that's the most rewarding thing to see is this watch God just reignite men's faith and men's walks in this process. Yeah. Just to go back, James 2 is what I was referring to. James 2, 16. Um, I think it's James 2, 18. says, but someone will say, you have faith. I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is, only, there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. All right, so... Um, you foolish person, do what? Do do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? So, and then he goes on to talk about Abraham and such. So, um, that's James. I mean, he was not saying that grace isn't sufficient or that grace isn't good. He was addressing the people that were living this life of, well, I'll do whatever I want because grace will cover me. And we have that today. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Probably more of that than the other. Yeah which is, I'm going to live by all these laws. I think that was probably, you know, maybe in the 1800s, early 1900s, mm-hmm. but it seems like now we're in this grace. And, and certainly grace is abundant, and grace is more than enough. But there's also a side of it um, that requires works as well. Yep. Not for salvation, uh, but certainly for discipleship and to advance his kingdom. So anyhow, that's a whole nother podcast. We could go into that for hours and hours. Dissect the works, works to say. Yeah, probably not the, per- <laughs> I'm probably, that's out of my pay grade, I think. I think I understand it, but I'm not sure I could, I could eloquently um, explain it. Um, yeah, so you were saying, yeah, you've seen guys that were believers, and I don't want to say that they were on the fence or lukewarm because that, that could be offensive, but maybe they were just going through the motions mm-hmm. and they've kind of come alive this year. Yeah. Yeah. And I know some of those guys too. Yeah. And it's really impressive to see. Yeah. Like I'm around some of them and I'm like, Whoa, this guy's, this has really changed. Yeah. Uh, something in his life has really changed. Yeah. But don't you think that all comes from that intimacy with God piece? Yeah. Yeah. No, it comes with, with, uh, 100%. I mean, I, I you can't, spend any time, any significant and legitimate time with God and not, not have it absolutely change your life, um, and change your heart. And I think the environment of OM and in these, the, the year long process and the intentional relationships just feeds into, into that because every week, every other week we show up, we talk about the content and every, and, you know, we have breakfast together. We talk about what's going on in each other's hearts and lives. And, and you just watch, watch guys and I went through the same process myself. I said, you know, I don't have any magic bullet. I'm just trying to replicate what I experienced, right? So um it's just great to see to see 
because it's it's a it is a commitment it's it's not a it's not it's like we've said it's not six weeks of men's group okay and then you're off and running you go to the next one you go to the next one it's this is you're in a process that that you're you're really challenged to change and i think when you told me we were leading the group we talked about the the year-long process and in in a year most guys in your group will experience something challenging Mm -hmm. that we all get to go through together and i think that's a key thing is is experiencing life together and doing it together well yeah it's it's you know i've led quite a few groups now and it's interesting uh, i see men kind of start out going through the motions and then somewhere along the lines along the way um something changes like there's there's a flip of a Mm -hmm. switch yeah and it's like not everybody but for a lot of guys and and then you'll see something change within within them and always in my experience the intentional relationship is certainly great and in the studies and all that but it always centers around this piece of intimacy with jesus yeah and this piece of not just not just studying the word to know the word but studying the word to know Jesus and to know him in a new, enlightening and intimate way. And, and, you know, a lot of us, I mean, I'm 42, um, you're 43. A lot of us have spent our life trying to do things for God to please him more or less. You know, I, I hate to say it, but volunteering at church or doing this or doing that. And it almost felt like it wasn't really like a, this calling that you had, it was more like you were trying to like checking the box. Yeah. Checking a box, but not in a bad way no. per se. Um, but when I, when I discovered intimacy, when I discovered this relationship with the Lord, it allowed me to really like John 15 says, you know, abide in the vine. It allowed me just to abide in him and have a season of maybe, maybe a, a season that looked like I wasn't being fruitful, mm-hmm. but really it was probably the most nourishing, the most n- nutrition, for lack of better terms, uh, being put into my life. Um, and it really birthed what we're doing with this OM. It's re- it really birthed it in my life. And for once I had something that I felt like was a calling in my life mm-hmm. and it was purpose and it was, you know, it was bred from that place. And I see, you know, OM is not what I love about ordinary men is that it's not about me. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it literally, it dies, it dot. Well, it doesn't die because I would still lead <laughs> groups myself, but, but the multiplication piece dies of, of other men are not given that same, if God doesn't birth that same purpose in them. Mm-hmm. And really it's, it's, it's less of a funnel, like putting people through a process and a funnel. It's more of a platform and saying, okay, go through this process now, I, I hope and pray that God births discipleship in your heart. And if he does, here's your platform to use to disciple men in your life. Mm-hmm. And, and what it, it does is it almost makes, like, your OM group isn't, like, something I'm leading. It's your thing, mm-hmm. right? And now, if you multiply, if your group multiplies next year, which I believe it will, and let's say you have three or four groups come out of your group, well, now you're discipling those three or four guys, discipling seven to 10 guys a piece, right? And now before you know it, two or three years, you're like, oh my gosh, because I took that one step of faith to, to, to disciple men on that one group. I utilized this platform, right? Mm-hmm. So, so the purpose and, and, the, and, and the passion God is putting in men is discipleship. The platform that men are using, and hopefully they continue to use, is ordinary men. 
And it allows the organization and myself and the people in the organization to create content and create the platform to make it easy for men to disciple yeah. and do what only they can do, which is the relationship piece and, yep. and pour into the lives. But in the, my, my point is, the big vision is like in three years from now, man, I'd love to have you back on the podcast when there's been 15 groups yeah birthed because of this one group and now you can look at your life and say wow because i discipled these guys now all of these guys are being discipled and technically you'll probably have them at some point all those groups over to your house for dinner and and, and you'll be discipling them in a, in a deeper way right yeah. and and so um yeah it's exciting to me um but it all comes from that place uh, of intimacy yeah well and, you know not to make it sound you know too over overwhelming but you 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 touch the life of a man. You touch the life of a wife. You touch the life of children. You touch the life of, you know, the community, the church. I mean, it's just, it, it's, uh, uh, as Tony Evans does that. He, if you've heard his sermon, he goes, you know, you, you change, you know, you, you change a man, you change a family, you change a community, you change a, uh, a county, you change a state, you change a country, you change mm-hmm. a world. Yeah. Right. hundred percent. And, and that's, but I think people get men get crippled. Like I can't change the world. We're not asking you to. We're asking you to change seven guys. That's right. That's it. Just get seven guys. Start there. I mean, just to yeah, and seven or eight, ten guys. You know, it's never as simple as I make things. But if every believer would disciple seven guys in their life, there would be very few people that weren't believers. Yep. I yep. mean, it would it would be unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's a hundred percent like ordinary men. On the surface, you know, it could look like oh, it's a it's a group for men, which doesn't. Well, I don't understand why, but in, in our society today, it seems like anything that has to do with middle aged men is frowned upon. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it doesn't look sexy in the eyes of people, but like it is. Yeah, uh, you you want to stop you want to stop um, abortions. We'll have stronger families. You mm-hmm. want to stop orphans will have better fathers. You yep. want to you want to stop drunk fathers that are beating their wife and kids. You want to stop husbands that are cheating on their wives. If you want like a lot of the things that are problems in our society stem from men in our society. Yeah. And I really believe that you know there's a there's a lot of organizations and this the, anybody listening do not take this the wrong way. You know my heart. But there's a lot of organizations that are there that are that have been have been established to to uh, address a problem, and it, it, but it's it's a it's a downstream problem of the real problem. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yep. I just believe that <clears throat> a lot of the a lot of the energy that people are putting into non for profits and 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 I'm not going to mention any directly, but a lot of these issues in society today, I believe if we really put our energy into men and fathers and future fathers and grandfathers, I, I, I believe we could really put a dent in a lot of these problems. Yeah. Um, yeah. So hopefully we will. Yeah. Hopefully One, we will. Yeah. No, it's, it's, a, it's a world-changing activity one guy at a time. That's right. And that's all you got to, you know, and you are. Just think of that. Just say, I'm changing the world right now with this one guy. Yeah. Kind of breaks it down. That's it. That's right. Takes a lot of pressure off. Yeah. Yeah. So, Matt, as we uh, kind of wrap up here, what uh, anything God's been kind of putting on your heart lately that 
you'd like to share if not no big deal but oh you know um uh, you know, I, nothing that pops in my head right now, but I, I would say that just kind of the overwhelming um, theme I keep kind of running against in, in my, not running against, it sounds bad, but kind of just popping up is, is obviously, like you said earlier, just a constant um, effort and intimacy with Jesus. Um, you know, it, it, it ebbs and flows. Life gets in the way. Work gets busy. Um, but being on this hunt right now, does remind me you look around at the at his creation you know and you see in the word it says you know if the, his creation will cry out to his glory mm-hmm. and so being out here on this hunt and looking at the scenery and his creation does does kind of in a way create an opportunity to to grow in intimacy and realize how much god loves us and how much jesus loves us and in that this this was for us to enjoy not because he was you know, expressing creativity, he, he was, but it was really with us at, at the heart of it. And it's very humbling and empowering at the same time. And, and it, I guess what makes me think of right now is just how much I want to uh, share that feeling with other guys to say, you know, God loves us so much that he, cre- he, he gave us this the scenery, this opportunity, whatever you're doing right now, he gave it to you because he loves you. And he doesn't love you because you were good at this or equipped at that. He loves you because of you, period. And he wants to, even no matter what state you're at, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what's in your life, God loves you passionately and wants to have an intimate relationship with you. So I guess that's kind of, it's on my heart. It's good stuff, man. If you guys listened to the last podcast with Terry, I mean, Terry is, I mean, right in line with what Matt was saying about the love of God and how much God loves us. I think that's hard for a lot of people to reconcile. I mean, we live in a broken world with a lot of sin, a lot of pain. And I think people see that and experience it in their lives and say, well, how how could he love me if mm-hmm. that's happening? Um Again, I think that's a whole nother podcast. Well, um, and I can, my, my closing thought would be on that, I guess, is, is a little vulnerability is obviously I had plenty of sin and pain in my life, um, you know, five, six years ago. And I'll tell you at, at the bottom of the barrel when I was the you know, just not doing great is where I actually interact, had my first deep interaction with the love of God. I wasn't cleaned up. I wasn't doing good works. I wasn't volunteering at the church. I wasn't doing any of that. I was in a bad place, and God still met me there. And that's where I experienced his absolute, unfettered, unjudgmental love. But out of that, I realized I, I changed. Because I was like, I have to change. If God loves me this much, and he does, and I now know it, I have to change. I have to be better. I want to be better. Yeah. And I want to share this with other men. That's great. Yeah, and it doesn't mean life is perfect going forward. Nope. Doesn't mean that every day is roses. But uh, that was never promised to us. Nope. That's called heaven. Yeah. <laughs> this is not heaven. I think sometimes as believers we we forget that this is not heaven. The Bible says we're aliens to this world. Um and there will be struggles and trials in this in this life. Yep. But 
I mean, this is this is a blink of an eye compared to what we have ahead of us, and um, it can be tough to reconcile at times um, the Father's love. Yep. And and you know, I hope we have time um, to do another podcast. I'd really like to talk about with Matt. Um, he'll probably laugh when I say this, but the day I almost died. Um, but I really would, I'd like to do another podcast with you up here, Matt, uh, by the end of this week, um, and talk about an incident that happened in my life when Matt was with me just, uh, early July of this year where I really, um, I feel silly saying it because I feel like Matt may roll his eyes and think I'm exaggerating, but I really feel like I could have died. And, and some of what God revealed to me in that, in that moment. And it really had everything to do with his love Mm -hmm. for me. Um, and so again, well, how could that be love? You almost died. Mm-hmm. And I'll get into how I almost died. Um, in the next podcast, it had to do with the rafting incident and drowning. And, um, like, how could that be love? Right. But in it, he really did show me his love. And, um, I think that's hard for a lot of men to accept, some of it may be because they never had a father that showed them love, so they never had it modeled in their life mm-hmm. correctly. It's a hard um, one to get over. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I didn't have that, and, you know, I never experienced that in my life, so, um, yeah. it's you know, I can't speak to that, but I had a father that loved me dearly um, and modeled love for me in a great way. But, you know, it wasn't just like... I mean, he modeled it through discipline. He modeled it through hard love at times. He modeled it through being tender at times. You know, the the all, all the facets. So I was very, very fortunate in that way. But for some reason, uh, I have a hard time grasping the Father's love, the Father being our Father God. And uh, But I think he revealed that to me in a big way recently. So maybe we'll talk about that yeah. in another podcast. Yeah, that'd um, be great. I got a lot of thoughts on that. Oh, good. So, well, it'd be funny too. We can make it. We can make it entertaining. Well, um, Matt, I thank you so much for thank just you. being vulnerable and and just chatting it up with me here in the mountain. Yeah. Um, it is now. What time is it? It's four twenty nine. So we uh, we've been at this thing for almost an hour, which is good because we needed to burn some time. <laughs> um, so it's about time. If you don't know much about animals, um, wildlife in the morning and evening is when they're most they're most active. There's a, there's a, was it procrast? What, what's the word for that? Do you know that? There's a word for that. The, I want to say precipitous or something. <laughs> I think that's the right word. I'm not even sure what that word is. Uh, if, if that's the wrong word, just ignore I said it. I'm pretty sure it's the wrong word, but there is a word for it when you're, when you're, um, it's not nocturnal. It's like morning and evening when you're most active, but that's how wildlife is. And so we have about a mile, mile and a half hike ahead of us to get to where we hope there are some animals. And uh, the goal is that Matt would would put down a a big bull elk tonight. Yeah. Poke poke a big bull elk. Yeah. And then then the fun begins. Then you got to start hiking it out. Yeah, that's, yeah, I'm dreading that. Actually, I'm not. That's, it's, yeah, I mean, packing a bull out is like, you're putting quarters, and the quarter is like one back leg, one front leg. So there's four of those, obviously. Then there's plenty of other meat and such that you have to pack out. But it usually with 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 uh, it takes about four trips. So with two guys, it take two trips, and each pack could be upwards of seventy five to one hundred twenty five pounds. Yep. 
and it's we're not, talking hiking out of mountains. Yeah. Um, it, it is, it is the, one of the most difficult things I've ever done yeah. and most satisfying. Yep. Um, so that's always in the back of your head when you're up here is like, okay, am I too far back to get this thing out of here? If something does happen, meaning yeah. I, I'm successful. We, we were just eyeing a bull, mountain bull, not a elk bull, bull, B-O-W-L. A bull. Bull, mountain bull. It sounds like you're saying bull. It, it does sound like. And, and that's bull. Why, bull. <laughs> I'm the worst that's, with words. My that's kids. my Colorado accent. My is kids that what it is? correct me in everything. Yeah. Dad, what are you saying? <laughs> but we were just, we got to the top of this just epic, what, thousand vertical foot hike. <sighs> looked down and we started putting some calls out and we both kind of looked at each other like, what happens if something reacts to us? I said, I, what happens if something bugles? And you said, I, I ain't, ain't going, going down. <laughs> I said, well, maybe I'll go. And then afterwards I was like, no. 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 It's no. Way, you, I mean, we'd have to go down another vertical feet and then back up. It would be. Oh, it would just, it would be an epic No, journey, I think it would, so. it would maybe kill me. Yeah. No. So, yeah, you get to those points where you're like, you know. May, may have pushed it hard enough here's the amazing thing about hunting up here though and it's like one thing with a rifle where you can hunt you know four or five six hundred yards that's still amazing but i mean we're hiking like yesterday we hiked right at 10 miles before noon mm-hmm. um so think about that it put it in perspective how far and it's not like 10 miles around a track i mean we're talking like rugged 10 miles bushwhacked most of it. bushwhacking yeah. means you're not on a trail you're like going over trees and Anyhow, and up and down and up and down. Yeah, so you got a, you've got hundreds and hundreds of miles. You, you're, we can probably see fifty to hundred miles right now. Yep. So then you put your binoculars up, so you're looking for you know ten miles or so away at, at animals, and then somehow you have to get within thirty yards of them to shoot them with a bow. Yeah. I mean the t- the the task at hand is is legitimately next to impossible. Yeah. Well, they say what there's a there's a hundred things have to go right. The first ninety five are the easy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I haven't think I don't think we've got to fifty yet. No, we're still at fifty. <laughs> I'm exhausted. Yeah, and and you know the the biggest thing is the, uh, and I'll I'll sign off here, but the biggest thing is the wind. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that these animals can smell like a like a bloodhound, like they can smell smell, um, and. Like if that wind shifts even for a second, and so if it's not blowing into your face with the animal in front of you, and it turns and blows at your back towards the animal, they can be 150, 200 yards away, and they will immediately run. Yeah, and they'll be 20, 50 miles away <laughs> in 20 minutes. Far. Yeah, I mean they can like just they're go just and gone. And but, they say you can you can fool their ears, you can fool their eyes, but you can never fool their nose. Yep. So, um, yeah, I guess what I'm trying to say is. Um, if we kill an animal tonight, uh, congratulate us big, big time because yeah. we are. A lot of things came together. I'll say a Trumpster. Yeah. Bigly. <laughs> congratulate yeah. us bigly. <laughs> bigly. Did I say that? Bigly. Is that my own word? I think. Is it? Is does it he say time? big league or bigly? Bigly. Is it? Big, big league? league? I don't know. Well, hey, tune into the next episode. It's going to be bigly. It's going to be bigly. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. It's awesome. Huge. Huge. Okay. It's going to be huge. We got to stop. Bye.